Well, good morning. Welcome out to the Inspire service. It's great to be here worshipping together. It's great to be indoors in the cool air conditioning as well, isn't it? We're going to stand to our feet. We're going to worship our great God together this morning. We're going to worship Him with joy, uh, with full voices. So let's sing together. Let's declare His praises. Who breaks the power? Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes? Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless? Ignore and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. This is amazing. 
It is on. I was just going to say, I'm not sure if it's on or not. Oh, what, a, what a beautiful song that is. It just reminds us, and I think I've said it so many times before, when you're my age and the age of so many of us here, we have lived in the goodness of God for such a long time, and uh, what a joy, what a joy it is to know our Heavenly Father in such an intimate, personal way and to know the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. And that is why we gather here, every Inspire, to, um, to fellowship together, but primarily to honour him, to praise him, to worship him. And so I want to just say a special welcome to you all once again today. And especially if this is your first time at our Inspire service. And I do know that there are some people who are here for the first time today. And as I say, every Inspire, we love having new people here. And remember that after our worship time here in this auditorium, we go out into the courtyard and we join together uh, for a morning tea. And it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to get to know new people, particularly if you are new uh, with us today, and just for those of us who've known each other for a long time to just enjoy fellowship together. So please join us for that morning tea. I want, I was a little bit remiss last week um, when it was our first Inspire to just really thank our worship team, all of our singers, our musicians, and um, our worship leader. Last Last Inspire, we had Pastor Matt with us, and we have had Pastor Matt before, but he led worship for us last time, and Pastor Matt particularly um, looks after our city church, as well as lots of other things that he does, in the, particularly in the financial area here at church. But today, we are really blessed to have Pastor Trav with us, who's been leading worship, and yes, welcome him. 
And um, Pastor Trav is married to the lovely Lauren, and he has a beautiful little daughter, Nora. And Trav looks after, more, amongst other things, because all of the pastors do lots of different things, but his prime responsibility is youth ministry. And we, of course, know just how important that ministry is. We love young people here in our church, and we love that we've got so many young people. And I always think we need to really encourage our young people. We really need to support them as much as we can and um, really pray for and support Trav in that ministry. So thank you for coming and leading us in our worship time today. Um, we feel really blessed. And of course, to Karen, who always organises all of our singers and our musicians, we are just so blessed. I can tell you, if it was up to me to be leading worship and leading the singing, you would be out the door in a flash because that's what my voice is like. God's given us all different gifts, hasn't he? Um, so, wonderful to have you all here. Now, last time, because it was the first Inspire, Pastor Neil had done a list of all of our Inspire services, just so that you can keep that and you won't get confused because it's only fortnightly. Some people did say, aha, he made a mistake. August the 16th isn't in there. But as um, Neil did remind me, August the 16th is a show holiday, so we won't be having Inspire on that particular Wednesday. But apart from that, it's every fortnight from now until that great event, the Seniors Christmas Celebration at the end of November. So if you didn't get one of those, there's some more available as you leave on the table just at the door there. The other thing I just want to mention again, if you are new or if you're relatively new to Inspire and you don't think we would have your contact details, there's another little form that's also available as you leave on the table there that you can fill in with your contact details for us. As I explained last week, it's not that we're keeping tabs, but we love to care well here uh, within our Inspire family. So if we notice that someone hasn't been for a little while, we might just give you a call just to make sure that you're okay. Um, so that's, if, if you think we may not have those details, if you can fill that in for us, that would be wonderful. Thank you also for those people who volunteered to help us with the welcoming, which of course started today with our lovely two welcomers who are at the doors today. If you still would like to be on that welcome team, um, you can just give me your name and I can add you next, um, sort of the second half of the year. I've only done up to the end of um, July so far. Just a reminder also that there is an offering box on the table as you exit to my left there. And that's if this is the service where you like to give to God's kingdom work. So you, you can just leave your offering in that little offering box there. Uh, I need to mention too, somebody did say, because we're so used to being on nice soft seats in the main auditorium, some people did draw to our attention that these seats are a bit hard. And so I thought I'd just mention, um, please feel free to just bring a cushion along or yeah, ask us and we might be able to find a cushion for you if you find them particularly hard. We know they're not quite as nice as the ones up in A1, but what we love about being here is that we're much closer together and it's, yeah, it's a, a much nicer, smaller atmosphere. My usual reminder about Latte Ladies, which started up um, last week 
and we'll continue again this coming uh, Wednesday. So remember, Latte Ladies and Men with Purpose are always on the alternate Wednesday from Inspire. Latte Ladies meet at 9.30 at Stella Rossa Cafe in the Marketplace on Robinson Road. Um, so ladies, that's really just an opportunity to have a cuppa together and just fellowship together. And then Men With Purpose is starting up again this coming next Wednesday, a week from today. It is at 10 a.m. And so that'll be Wednesday, the 22nd of February, 10 a.m. And that once again is in A1, the big auditorium, in the mezzanine level, in the meeting room on the mezzanine level at 10 a.m. And Nev Robbins is going to coordinate that meeting. Now the first meeting is to discuss um, the year ahead and to make some plans for the year ahead. So if you want to know more about that, I know Nev is here today, just um, catch him and just have a word to him. I don't think Leonie is, I'm pretty sure she's away. She's the one, Leonie Leach is the one who organises the Latte Ladies, but just come and see me if you want information about that. I think that's all of the announcements. Um, just want to have a time of prayer as we always do and lift up some of our needs and our thanks to our great God. I do want to mention um, a couple of well, condolences. Lisa, I don't know if Lisa is, she's not here today, but I just wanted to mention Lisa comes and helps. She always helps out with our morning tea here and her dear mum passed away. Um, recently, and I just want to lift her up in prayer and pray for comfort there. I don't think Laurie Russell is here. Is Laurie here? No, his sister passed away too, but I don't think he's here. But we will pray for both of those people. Um, and I know that there are other people who normally would be here at Inspire um, who have great health needs. So we want to just lift all of those people up before God as well. And then, of course, we remember to pray for our world. There are many needs in our world. So will you join with me as we just bow our heads and just pray to our Heavenly Father. Oh, dear Lord, um, we do come before you. And Lord, it is a joy. It's such a joy to gather here in your presence and to feel the touch of your Holy Spirit, Lord, as we lift our songs in worship to you. Oh, Lord, we thank you. I just want to really thank you for our worship team, Lord. Um, I thank you for their beautiful gifts and their willingness to share the gifts that you have given to them with us leading us in our worship time and I want to pray a very special blessing on them Lord and I particularly want to lift up Pastor Trav and Lauren his family to you Heavenly Father and I want to pray a special blessing on him and we pray that you will really give him wisdom and guide him Lord as he lives as he leads the youth ministry here at our church. And we know that it's not easy for young people in the world that's out there, Lord. There are so many challenges. And I pray that you continue to just bless the young people in our community here at Bridgie. Help us, Lord, to be encouraging. Help us to be good role models. Help us to take every opportunity that we can to be your salt and light in their lives, Heavenly Father, and just to be an encouragement to them and bless Trav in that ministry.
Lord, I also um, want to lift up Ross before you too, who I've just remembered is going to be away on holidays for four inspires, um, going with Merle, um, mainly to Tasmania. And I just pray a blessing on them, Lord, as they travel. Protect them, keep them safe. May they have a wonderful time away, really appreciating and, uh, and enjoying the beauty of this natural, beautiful world that you've created for us. Bless them, Lord, and um, yeah, we look forward to the stories we will hear when they come back amongst us. And we thank you for Ross's ministry here in, uh, in that tech area, Lord. We could not do without him. And Lord, we also lift up many people within our Inspire community who have health concerns. And Lord, you know each one of these dear people. And I just pray that you will be close to each one today, that you will just meet their needs, whatever those needs are. Lord, you know far better than I do, than any of us do. I pray that you'll be close to them, that they will know your presence in a very special way, even right now, wherever they are, whatever they are doing, Lord. I pray that you will just reveal your heart more and more to them and the depth of your love for them, Heavenly Father. Bless them with your healing touch, Lord. And I do pray that if it is your will, you would restore them to good health swiftly, Heavenly Father. And Lord, we do lift up also our world before you. And we know that in many ways, there's a lot of brokenness in our world. We think of the bushfires in parts of our state, even right now, and people who are struggling there, Lord, with loss and with the, the fear, Lord, of just knowing, wondering if they're going to lose their homes. Lord, we pray for rain. We pray for rain in those areas where it's needed so desperately. And we just pray that you will bring comfort in that situation, Heavenly Father, and that you will protect, Lord, too. And Lord, we think further afield, we think of the victims of the earthquake in Syria and Turkey. Lord, we just ask once again that you will provide comfort through the aid groups who are there and through Christians, Lord, who are in those communities. Oh, Lord, raise up people who can get alongside victims and um, those relatives who've been left behind, who are suffering such grief, Heavenly Father. We just pray that you can be present there, that you can use your people, your church, to bring hope and to bring comfort, Heavenly Father. And we, of course, think again of the victims of that ongoing war in Ukraine, and we pray the same there too, Lord, that, um, that your love, that your comfort will come to people there in great need, Heavenly Father. And we do know that the greatest hope is Jesus. So our biggest prayer is that somehow the name of Jesus will be declared that people who are in those desperate circumstances will hear about the hope that they can have in Jesus and will cry out and will find that comfort and that peace, Heavenly Father. And Lord, we do thank you that uh, we are about to launch into this um, 
new church-wide series uh, in our church. And so our main prayer, our big prayer today, Lord, is that may your kingdom come, Lord Jesus. May your will be done in the lives of each of us here, in the lives of everyone within our community here at Bridgie, in the lives of people further afield in our community, in our families, in, in our whole world, Heavenly Father. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as in heaven. That is our prayer today. And Lord, we pray a blessing on Neil as he comes to bring your word to us now. May we have hearts that are open to hear what it is you want to speak into our lives today, Lord. We want to be people who are surrendered to your plans and purposes. We want to be people who you can use, Lord, to love others, to serve others well, so that more and more people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord, as their Saviour, as the hope, the hope that he offers everyone who just calls out to him. So, Lord, we just, uh, we just commit the rest of this service to you. We commit Neil to you as he comes to speak. And we just give you all the glory, Heavenly Father. We give you all the glory, Lord Jesus. And we pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.
Let me echo Jones, welcome to you and say yes, we're very glad that you're here, very glad this morning. My sisters reminded me on the weekend, they said, Neil, you're so looked after by God. I was in New Zealand teaching at the Bible College last week and they said, remember three weeks ago on the Friday, Auckland had that terrible flood and people had to sleep in the airport, I missed that. They said, Neil, you, you missed that oppressive Friday that we had here in Brisbane nearly two weeks ago. It was so hot and humid. I'd already left by then. Then they said, and you're going to miss the cyclone that's hitting New Zealand, or has just hit, because I'd be home by that. They said, gee, you're being looked after. I said, yes, I am. I am. I know that. Just that perfect week in between. Oh, it was so good. We continue on our I Am series this morning, I Am the Good Shepherd, found in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, let me read to you the first 18 verses. Jesus speaking says this, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, 
and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can come and be here this morning. We we can come in comfort. The air conditioning is on. Lord, we're at peace, we pray, that uh, we know your peace within us. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on our lives, Lord. Every day, we should take time to count our blessings and to know what blessed people we are. May you minister to us, to us through your word this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The shepherd in the Bible is a very familiar figure and the reason probably for that is because of the terrain around Israel. Much of the country is rough, stony, hilly. It's only the coastal plain, the plain of Sharon in the north, the inland plain of Megiddo, the Jordan Valley and the area north of Galilee to the ancient town of Dan that probably is only suited to growing crops. The central area from Galilee south, for the most part, only allows for agriculture on narrow terraces, similar to the picture that you have there up on the screen. The plateau from Bethel to just north of Jerusalem through Bethlehem and Hebron, for the most part, is not suitable for agriculture. Olives, vines, fig trees do grow, but in the main... That land is specifically best for grazing sheep and goats. So because of the terrain is like this, the shepherd is woven through all of Scripture. It was not, and it still is not, an easy life for a shepherd in Palestine. Little grass, and when it does grow, it's dictated by the seasons. Flocks of sheep must continually be on the move, looking for more grass to eat and water to drink, of course. The picture in our mind, perhaps, of a shepherd is of a shepherd with some sheep on some beautiful lush green paddock or field 
as I mentioned, being in New Zealand this last week and seeing the grass there, the sheep are so fat. <laughs> oh, such a contrast with, the, with what we're looking at this morning. Flocks also, of course, needed a shepherd to constantly watch over them, which meant that a shepherd was never off duty. In the Bible, we read that sheep would sometimes be attacked by wolves or bears or lions. Thieves and robbers would want to get their hands onto a few sheep. In the wet season, there'd be flash flooding, and that could lead to an avalanche, and so the shepherd needed to be aware of the changing seasons and times and to be able to move his sheep accordingly. The shepherd lived for his flock. He gave it his whole attention. Looking after sheep was dirty work. Often it was relegated to the youngest boys in the family, the teenage boys. They were responsible for being the shepherd. We know in 1 Samuel chapter 16 that David was given that task. You know the story, I think, right? Where Jesse comes into Bethlehem. He's been, uh, Samuel comes into Bethlehem, sorry, and he's become commanded by God to anoint the next king of Israel comes to Jesse and who lines out all his sons before him and then at the end Samuel doesn't recognize that any one of those should be the Lord's anointed and said, then says to Jesse is there any other and Jesse says yes there's the youngest and in the Hebrew there it means the insignificant the insignificant one he's out the back of the over the hills he's looking after the sheep And so Samuel says, bring him, bring him in. And so the servant goes and brings him in. God says, he's the one. Pours the oil over his head, drips all down his face. And uh, Samuel probably whispers in his ear, you will be the next king of Israel. Extraordinary, extraordinary. David also, we know, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, going to fight Goliath, is told by his father, Jesse, to leave the sheep with the caretaker and to go and take some bread and cheese to his older brothers who are fighting against the Philistines there. We also, of course, have the announcement to the shepherds at Christmas time that we celebrate. Again, probably just teenage boys out at night. The father wouldn't want to be in that situation. He wouldn't be at home with his wife. Sends the teenage boys out and they get the message from the angel that the Messiah has been born. And then through scripture, there's many verses, but I've just chosen a few this morning, which portray God as being the great shepherd. You know some of these. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 80, verse 1, give ear, O shepherd of Israel, who lead Joseph like a flock. Psalm 95, verse 7, he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Isaiah 40, verse 11, he will feed his flock like a sheep, like, like sheep. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother's sheep. And Ezekiel 34, verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. It therefore... Seems natural, doesn't it, that if God is portrayed as being the great shepherd of Israel in the Old Testament, that when we come into the New Testament, Jesus also should be portrayed as a shepherd. Matthew 9, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. 
Luke 12, 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And Hebrews 13, 20. He is the great shepherd of the sheep. So in referring to Jesus as the great shepherd, the New Testament writers were proclaiming that Jesus is God, the deity, the divinity of Christ. And Jesus himself saying, I am the good shepherd, was doing the same thing. (coughs) The shepherd would carry a number of items on his person. There would be, like we would say, a little lunchbox, a scrip, a small bag in which he carried food for himself, bread, dried fruit, olives and cheese. He also, of course, had a sling. Highly skilled, a shepherd would be able to sling a stone and have it with pinpoint accuracy meet its target. We know that again with David, don't we? With the nine foot nine Goliath. The sling was also... Sorry, sling was also used to bring back a wayward shepherd and bring it back into line. That if a sheep was going off course, the shepherd then would sling a stone in front of the sheep, it would startle the sheep and it would turn around and want to go and be with the rest of the flock. There was the staff, a wooden club, quite short, with nails at the end, so that if a threatening animal was come close enough, the shepherd could hit this animal and it would hopefully run away. And of course, also the shepherd had a rod. This is what we're most familiar with, the shepherd's crook, curled at the end there, as you see on the picture, that the shepherd could bring in the hind leg of the sheep, bringing it closer to the shepherd. At the end of the day, then the shepherd would hold this quite low as the sheep went under it to go into the sheep fold, allowing the shepherd to check if any of the sheep was injured in any way. And the horn also that the shepherd had was a scooped out animal horn filled with oil that was used to apply to an injured animal. There's also a very close relationship, of course the shepherd spending so much time with the sheep, a close relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. Apart from those around Bethlehem that were sheep specifically bred to be offered as sacrifices at the temple for the most part sheep would not be eaten but only be used for their wool a shepherd and his sheep would often spend years together and it's said that generally a shepherd at the most would have 100 sheep that would be the maximum that he could look after and so there's this growing intimacy between the shepherd and the sheep I remember talking to Stuart Briscoe one day and he, was ta- he told me the story of being in Israel and he said there are a number of different flocks belonging to different owners and he was quite surprised when one owner of, or shepherd of his sheep went up to this great massive flock and just started speaking names of particular sheep and then started to walk away and he said the sheep just came out and followed the shepherd. It's just a beautiful picture, isn't it? Morton in his commentary says this, he said, the shepherd talks to them in a sing-song voice using a language unlike anything I've heard in my life. The words were animal sounds arranged in a kind of order. And then at the end of the day, the shepherd was, was, was responsible for looking after the sheep, bringing them into the sheepfold, which was just a boundaried stone wall. 
the door to the sheepfold was just a gap, just wide enough for one sheep. And at night, the shepherd would either stand or lie in front of that gap. The shepherd was the door. So if a wolf or a thief came, they would have to get past the shepherd first of all. And then it said in the time of Jesus, in the morning then, the shepherd would then walk a small distance away from the sheepfold and he would just say the names of the sheep and they would stand up and they would come to him. Wonderful. The sheep followed the voice of the shepherd because they trusted the shepherd. A stranger they would not follow because they did not know the stranger's voice. And for the shepherd to lay down his life for his sheep is no exaggeration. He would do everything, even sacrifice his own life for the sake of his sheep. One commentator I read this week said this, he said, I have listened with intense interest to graphic descriptions of downright and desperate fights with savage beasts. A poor faithful fellow, instead of fleeing, actually fought three Bedouin robbers until he was hacked to pieces with their conjures and died among the sheep he was defending. What a picture that Jesus should use of the relationship of us with him as him being the good shepherd. John 10 verses 1 and 2, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is making an exclusive statement here. That he says the only way that you and I can have a place in his flock, being among God's people, being one of God's family and in God's kingdom, is to come through Christ himself. No one comes to the Father except by me, said Jesus. A relationship with Jesus, with God, sorry, can only be because of our trust and our faith in Christ. Never something that we earn, never something that we acquire, a gift from God through Jesus to every one of us. And either we accept that gift of eternal life or now belong to God or we refuse it and we do not belong to Christ. The life that Jesus offers each of us is received through faith and trust. Then Jesus went on in verses 7 to 10. He said these words, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. When Jesus talks about all those who have come before, who are thieves and bandits, that's not the Old Testament prophets. They're the ones who are false messiahs, the ones who proclaim that they are the ones who have the real truth. And Jesus says, no, he says, they are thieves and bandits. To come to know Christ is is to come to know God. To receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour is to receive God himself into our lives. To know Jesus Christ is to know God. Religion can never give you eternal life. I've shared with you before, I have some 
friends that I meet up with regularly. I met up with them Monday night, just gone. Come from Nepal and three of them are Hindu. And one of them sent me a video of being in Nepal of when they sacrifice goats. I could never show the video here, right? This is like a church situation. Just so many goats being sacrificed. And yet, it'll all come to nothing. Nothing. Hindu gods offer nothing. No well-meaning Mormon or member of any cult which represents Jesus to be less than who he is will ever see the Father. It isn't of consequence of how humble a person is, how religious they are, how zealous they are. Jesus says this, you only come to know the Father through me. No follower of Buddha or Allah or any other false prophet will ever see God. doesn't matter if they're a high priest, a low priest or no priest at all. It even means that a person, even if they're a member of a Christian church, may, maybe a deacon or a deaconess or hold some leadership position, but have never come to put their faith in Christ, Jesus says, I do not know you. It doesn't matter who we are or what, or matter who they are or what they are. All that matters is this. Have you come to know Jesus as your good shepherd? Meditation can't give you eternal life. No good. Us going up to the highest mountain, sitting there cross-legged, trying to empty ourselves of all that's within us. Jesus says, no. He says, that's not the way. He says, the way is for me to fill your life. That's the way for me to be the fullness of your life. The only way to enter God's kingdom is through Christ. The only way of salvation is to know Jesus and then the promise is given we can go in and we can go out and find pasture. And then there's that great verse, right? We hear it all the time, don't we? John 10 verse 10 where Jesus says that I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And the I here is emphatics. Jesus is talking, right? I, I, I came, says Jesus. And that word there I looked up means actually also means to have in surplus. To have in surplus. Jesus is no salesperson that offers us something and in the process also gets rewarded himself. His life gets enriched. Jesus doesn't need his life to be enriched. He is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What he offers us is so that our lives be enriched. And he comes to each of us and he says, I have life and I want you to have it too. Jesus is our good shepherd. He leads us in green pastures beside still waters. Why still waters? Because sheep can't drink out of running water. It gets up their, no up their nose too much. It needs to be still waters. He prepares a table for us, a feast in the midst of our enemies. And I read that verse in Psalm 23, and I picture the scene here, right? That right in the midst, being surrounded by our enemies, Jesus sets up a table of blessing for us. And Jesus blesses us. 
so that those, the enemies around, right, may look and go, how is it that he can be so blessed? How is it that his life is turning out the way that it is? Because Jesus is hosting that feast for us. And I also looked up the word good in, in good shepherd. This is not the usual word for good, not like a goody two-shoes type of person. But it goes more than just having moral goodness. It speaks of having a goodness that is attractive, a goodness that draws us to him. That when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, it's not only that everything that he does is good, right? A goodness, a beauty in that goodness that wants us to be like him. Perhaps we could even translate it this way. I am the shepherd beautiful. In Christ there is faithfulness, there is virtue, there is truth and there is also beauty. That we look upon Jesus and we go, that's the life that I need. William Barclay says in his commentary, illustrates this by speaking of the good doctor in town. He said, when they speak of the good doctor, they're not only thinking of the doctor's efficiency and skill to diagnose as a medical practitioner, they're thinking of his sympathy, his kindness, his heartwarming care for his patients, which makes him not only their doctor, but a friend. Knowing Jesus as our good shepherd is to know his care, his protection, his blessing, but most of all, to know him as our best friend. And then John 10, 17, 18. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. Do you know in the Gospels, there is only one thing that Jesus said that he does in and of himself. Only one thing. Everything else he said, the words I speak is the words that I've already heard the Father speak. The things I do is because of the actions I've seen the Father do. Everything in his life empowered by the Spirit within him, the Holy Spirit within him to show us that this is how a person is to live, in trust of the Father, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. But there's one thing in all the Gospels that Jesus did in and of his own accord, lay down his life. Never forced to, never persuaded to, never commanded to, but willingly laid down his life for you and for me. That is the love that he has for us. What greater love than to lay down your life for another. We have a good shepherd. Do you know him? His name is Jesus. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, to know, know we are blessed, know your protection, know your security, know that goodness and mercy is chasing after us all the days of our lives. Oh, Lord, thank you for laying down your life for us. 
Thank you for being raised from the dead for us. Thank you for indwelling us for your spirit, Lord, that we might be filled with all the fullness of Christ this day. And thank you, Lord, you're coming back. You're coming back. Jesus, you are the good shepherd in whose name we pray. Amen.
Praise him today. Now may the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen.